Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. And we are back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal conversation about Star Trek. And uh, we're currently focused on Star Trek The Next Generation. Today's episode, The Masterpiece Society. It's episode 13 of season 5. I'm joined uh, by the doctor uh, through this uh, avatar of his. Greedo. Greedo. <laughs> I choose to use this form due to my allergies. I am unfit for video broadcast, so I, I use this avatar instead. Thank you uh, for sparing us uh, runny noses and, and whatnot. Uh, but Thank we have, you. We have been, um, both of us, in various states of wellness uh, and allergy-affectedness, Throughout the years, because we've been doing this for two years, Doctor, if you can believe that. <laughs> uh, yes, so, indeed. So I will do the episode summary so you can save your um, your glands uh, from any uh, t- from too much wear and tear, and we'll keep this as short as possible. I do appreciate that. Thank you. The Enterprise is following a stellar fragment, which is, uh, I imagine, a, from a neutron star, um, and which I imagine is just like a teeny piece of this, this star that, that flew out in some direction. And, it did uh, look almost fully formed, though, in the special well, effects. any fragment of a star would be a little star. But did you notice how small? Oh. It was the size of a moon. That's like true. To, and they were able to even move it with a tractor beam. So uh, it, it was a fragment by space definition but i mean if it's stellar matter and it's still combusting it's gonna look like that otherwise it (laughs) otherwise the science would be wrong (laughs) that is true and there was plenty of science this this is a very sciencey episode it's one of my favorite episodes actually doctor i'm revealing to you right now um i don't know if it's one of your favorites but we'll find out but anyways, they're uh, they're following this stellar fragment, and then they discover that uh, one of the planets on the fragment's path is actually inhabited, and uh, and to, and surprisingly so, because apparently it had never been um, uh, encountered before. Uh, we are out there on the unexplored regions, though, so it makes sense. But anyways, uh, they have to use various uh, kind of methods. Uh, to hail them, and they finally settle on probably like uh, VHF or AM or FM or something like that. And uh, until they tell the colonists that uh, their planet's actually in danger of being destroyed or their colony is, uh, they didn't actually want to respond, and they responded by raising their their defenses even further. So they finally respond, and you get a very attractive uh, Irish descent minister or... uh, or (laughs) 
or or leader. I'm not sure <laughs> what he was, but he's he's uh, you know very easy on the eyes as a, as an Irish descent leader may perhaps be. And, uh, and there's a lot of subtext <laughs> that you're you're slipping in here. So. Wasn't his name Connor though? Connor, leader Connor. Highlander uh, crossover, folks. It's true. It's true. I am immortal. Um, I have inside me blood of kings. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful Freddie Mercury impression. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. No, it's terrible. But uh, have you seen the movie? Just really quickly, and then we're right back to Star Trek. Have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? It has not premiered yet. So. Oh, okay. I am been unable to see it. Timey wimey wibbly wobbly because perhaps someone watching this will be watching it after it has already premiered, which is always a weird part of broadcast. But anyways, um, the Enterprise uh, Picard informs uh, the minister of the impending doom to his colony, and so like a good leader, he makes the decision that. Uh, despite uh, the protestations of his cultural minister, um, makes a decision to allow uh, members of the crew of the Enterprise to beam into the colony, which is a very big deal because they have been uh, genetically isolated and pristine uh, for many, many generations, for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, and on they top say of that, seven. I think they said seven generations. Seven generations, I believe. Yeah. So that could be more than a seven hundred years, though, because. We don't even know how long they live. <clears throat> but um, anyways, for seven generations, they've been on this kind of pristine situation. And their society is, is would, as the title suggests, is a masterpiece society. Like, it is completely constructed and built right down to the uh, um, uh, bio minutia, such as, uh, you know, bacteria counts and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, already they're... they're um, society has changed just by presenting the three members of the crew that don't uh, beam down, which is Riker, uh, Troy, and Jordy. And then the episode goes into this kind of like split direction where we follow uh, Counselor Troy and the leader, and also uh, Jordy and their their premier scientist. So um, the story, uh, you know, they're obviously they're trying to figure out a way for the colonists to not have to. Um, um, uh, evacuate their colony, and so they are successful actually um, through wonderful little scenes uh, with Jordy and uh, I forget the name of the premier scientist, but um, was it some, Hannah? Hannah, that's right. Thank you, Hannah. And so Jordy and Hannah have these great kind of, these great scenes together, and then Counselor Troy has like a pretty deep uh, romantic uh, kind of conflicting story going on uh, with the minister. And Riker kind of is just hanging around, waiting to give Deanna. Did you notice those, uh, those looks? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. It's really good. Wait, wait, we're almost finished. So, anyways, uh, Hannah finally, you know, when everything's done and they've saved the colony, uh, Hannah is now uh, really torn because she wants to keep going and discovering new things. She doesn't want to stay in the colony anymore, so she seeks asylum, requests asylum, and this throws everything into uh, a shambles as far as the society is concerned, and uh, more people want to go, and uh, because it's such a, uh, uh, you know, constructed and manufactured kind of society, uh, maybe they could do without one person, but like 12 people leaving would be detrimental to their way of life. So uh, Captain Picard has to beam down, and. 
see what the minister wants to do. The minister, of course, doesn't want to do anything. Who would want to in a situation where you're faced with uh, hardship upon your people? Uh, but Picard says, hey, we're not, we're not going to deny these people uh, refuge uh, or the chance at a new life. Um, and there's some interesting things about, like, you know, the prime directive that come up at the end. But anyways, the minister finally decides, well, whatever the whatever is going to happen to us is going to happen to us, and those who leave are always welcome home. It's very Sona Baku, but nice. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anyway, indeed. Yeah, anyways, so then um, the, uh, the ending is with uh, Picard contemplating uh, the prime directive with Riker. And that's it. That's a pretty okay summary, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it was very it was very good. All right. Very good summary. So getting to the meat of the matter, is it a good episode or not? What makes it one of your favorite episodes? Um, I remember liking it when I was a kid, probably because of the uh, minister. Um, but one thing I really enjoyed is that I, pers- on a personal level, I've always... Uh, felt that um, could humans be me particular in particular? I'm like, well, can't I manipulate my genes to regrow my hair, for example, or things like that? So it's a, <laughs> on on that level, <laughs> it's it's really interesting. But um, so that to me was as a as a child uh, set off a series of like I guess adventures of research, which have led to some some of my interests in. Um, just human behavior like cancer choice says actually in this episode like i feel like this episode just turned me on so much in terms of like the concepts and ideas presented maybe the melodrama was a little eh <laughs> you know but i think as far as like uh opening your mind to new uh and strange ideas like this episode is a killer episode uh for that kind of thing because there's not just the that and then now watching it this time I, I wondered about things like its connection to space seed and the hu- and humans history because like mm-hmm. we are actually going in so it's not gonna it's not not gonna happen <laughs> genetic manipulation is here we started with our plants and our animals and now we're uh, we're actually in an era of genetic manipulation of humans um, uh, and we are detecting things at pre-birth this I don't know if you remember that speech in the in this it was like pretty epic um, you know when Picard's just repulsed by the idea of this society uh, when he's talking to Counselor Troy but anyways I could go on and on uh, and we and we perhaps shall doctor <laughs> but um, but those are the things that I think uh, those are the reasons why it is one of my favorite episodes and I, I think you're going to be upset perhaps at my ranking of it but I will say the Masterpiece Society does not get a Masterpiece rating <laughs> So you can, you can, there's wiggle room. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a great pun there. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have to, I have to say, I think this is actually, uh, a really good example of, 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 of the Star Trek story. You know, it, it, it takes, uh, it's a good sci-fi story. It uh, it was very typical of, of the original series. You know, they go to some planet, and uh, it's things seem like they're perfect. Um, I'm, the one that's coming to mind right now is the, I think it's the Return of the Archons, where everybody, which is kind of like 
right now. I don't know if you're familiar with those movies, uh, the Purge movies, where people go crazy. That's right. And and well, Star Trek did that first. That's right. That's right. They had Red Hour, and everybody just went. Yeah, everybody just went crazy for like crazy. They went nuts. Yeah, and that was the price they paid for having a like their little perfect society. And here we have another example of of a quote unquote perfect society. And, and and we see the price that they pay for it and um, and we see critiques from the regulars you know from uh, from Picard as you said and I actually found that scene that Picard had with Troy to be something atypical in, in the show I you know Picard is, is usually a little more reserved I know I really that was one of the things that I thought was really nice about that scene also I mean just not just nice, but also powerful about that scene. You're right. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> what I are you have muted doing? That. What? Um, no, go down to see Beverly right now. I don't know why I keep doing my Picard. Terrible Picard impersonation. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're Anyhow. Um, the, but no, I, if it I, hasn't been clear, uh, audience, the doctor is been gracious enough to come aboard uh, today's discussion, even with allergies. So we forgive you, Doctor. Keep blow, blow away. <laughs> Surely I am not part of the Masterpiece Society today. Um, but but I, 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 I think the acting in this episode was a little bit of a higher caliber mm-hmm. than normal and, uh, and the direction. I don't know if you... If, but anyways, going back to the Picard scene... Uh, I, I really thought it was it was uh, the the exchange between Picard and Troy uh, was indicative of of, uh, of Picard really tr- of Picard trusting Troy as his counselor as sort of an unofficial advisor, um, a sounding board, you know, for for how he he feels about things uh and 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 here i would say that it it was a rare situation where picard is actually counseling troy um because oh my god the uh the turbo lift scene is so good she like confesses that she's just acted completely out of line which uh, you know i I was waiting for the show to address some of this kind of behavior you know because like Riker certainly um, is constantly out of line. Uh, yeah, but he doesn't care. <laughs> he really, truly does not care, and, and I don't think Picard wants to know about such things. Yeah, I don't. Think However, Picard with does Troy, that. I mean, I don't know if you want to I call it a double standard, from, but I can tell you from uh, I, I I would compare managing. <laughs> a retail store to captaining a starship because there are admirals above you and you're the captain right so you you've got to like you've got to field all these like right. things and and captains just don't want to know we don't want to know about your debauched <laughs> lifestyles but sometimes people do want to tell you <laughs> Until, unless it unless it violates the prime directive or it needs to go to an admiral i don't need to i don't need to know <laughs> but going back to the show in this case I, I mean I think Troy uh, holds herself to a higher professional standard than Riker perhaps yeah I would say that that, that, regard. that is a, a fair statement to right me. so so yeah and also there's the whole thing about you know 
this you know the whole point of this society is is you know no contamination from the outside world and well it seems like you know Troy definitely violated that that code there with help Indeed. from the minister um but uh but going back to the earlier conversation uh i, I really i i i, th- I thought the the acting there was 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 quite was quite good and and it showed uh it 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 showed picard you know picard usually was you know he's the one that that has to give face to the prime directive so he you know whenever crusher or whoever just goes you know batty and says like no no but we can't you know picard's the stoic one and has to be like no we have to follow the rules but here is picard really passing a, a harsh judgment on on the way this society has been constructed which i think is rare and and uh and i appreciated that scene very much i thought it was it was uh it was well acted and and it does kind of call back to you know what we know of of uh the eugenics wars and con and what we and saw just, in space yeah, just as if when humans delved into this i also think it's interesting that star trek takes a hard line on this and says that it was a wrong practice and like the, the actual humans of earth and the federation are there are strict rules against in this time in this era and, I, and if i'm not mistaken Probably in Kirk's time too, but I think it's. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it was ever addressed on the show in that in TOS, but definitely it, we've come. Well, you know, it is spacey. Duh. Sorry. Huh. <laughs> so yeah. So at some. So it's interesting that Star Trek kind of takes a hard line on this um, thing, and then you have Star Trek Discovery that's kind of like loosening up that hard line in a weird way because. Uh, there are apparently genetically modified uh, situations going on uh, on the discovery, um, <laughs> but we'll see. That's anyway. interesting. That's, an, that's an interesting point because even through Deep Space Nine and everything, you know, Bashir is, uh, is, a, is a little bit of a uh, um, an anomaly. Uh, he cause well, but but he hides yeah. it because he knows yeah, he it's, it's illegal shameful. and yeah, it's a little and is sh- right and is somewhat ashamed of it and all that. Uh, so, so you're right. Star Trek has taken a very very strong stance in in genetic modification of human beings, and uh, uh, you, and this episode clearly illustrates that. Illustrates that. You pointed out uh, that the show was well directed and that the acting was more. Uh, superb. So I went uh, to IMDb to glance, and it is uh, Winrick uh, Colby. So he's a he's a tried and true. Yeah. He is. Uh, oh, Arthur wants to be let out, so I have to uh, go Dr. for it. Distract. The yeah, audience. I'll I'll talk a little <laughs> bit about the the directing in the episode. I, I thought there were several shots, uh, especially towards the end. Uh, there's a, when Counselor Troy is is bidding farewell to the minister. You know, it's shot through like these columns, and when the minister walks away, you have Troy looking very isolated uh, in this shot. You know, with 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 the you know the giant columns sort of uh, making her look small, and um, there there were a number of other shots in the in the episode that I thought were were rather artful and 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 you know the idea is that this is this beautiful p- 
place. You know, um, there's a great line in the in in the episode where Troy is saying, you know, it's it's amazing to think that you know there's such a beautiful place, and then you know, just in just a short distance away, it's all this devastation. Uh, so, I you know, the production design did its best, and I and it, it was a it, it was it was a very good attempt, but. Um, you do you kind of recognize some of the sets by this point, and uh, but but they, it it's still it is a, a great uh, production design, and I think the director did his best to 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 sort of make regular Star Trek viewers forget that we're seeing similar redresses of things that we've seen before, and made it look quite artful and 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 attractive to the eye with the directing yeah. and the angles and all that. It was interesting. Also, you could tell how harsh the environment outside of the bio dome was, and like things like that. And I'm sure that you know the remastering uh, helps with that. Yeah, um, I, absolutely. I want to take a moment to point out that um, this is a on a Starfleet point out. This is for you, Gary, uh, but also to any fans of the Orville. You'll notice that Martin, the actor who plays Martin, his name is Ron Canada, who we've seen in like a ton of things. Oh um, yeah. Plays Admiral Tucker <laughs> on the Orville. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so do you watch the Orville? I watched one episode and that's the only episode I'll watch. Well he was in that episode. Okay. I think. Uh you know, Ron Canada episode. actually um I, I, I follow that actor because he was in a Nick Fury movie and I'm a Nick Fury fanatic and he played uh he played uh, uh, a well-known character, Gabe Jones, in that movie. Mm. So he's he's a really good actor. And, he played uh, a he played a judge on Boston Legal. I don't know if you ever watched Boston Legal, but I watched a few episodes because of the captain, Captain Kirk. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, he's really good in in his role as kind of being the the hard line. Uh, the line well, must yeah, be drawn like, here. He seemed like the cult. It's interesting. It's like that Donovan song, Atlantis, you know, where he kind of like says, there's the leader and the scientist and the, uh, and then this and that. You know, oh, yeah. Like, there we go. You know, <laughs> we're going to talk about Donovan. Uh, <laughs> Hail Atlantis. <laughs> um, but it is kind of an Atlantean kind of uh, construct where you have like these like specific roles. You know, the, the whole. The idea of a masterpiece society is, I think, isn't that what we're striving towards in a, in a sense? And um, you know, our by our standards, one would say that the Federation is is like on its way to being that kind of society. But by but according to these guys, and then that that opening shot, that opening sequence, rather I should say, or scene where Jordy is down there, and they're all they everyone kind of reacts to his blindness. Uh, including Martin, and Martin has this kind of, he's kind of embarrassed that he's like, well, we are better than you in every way. We're smarter, we're this and that. And then, you know, right there in that scene, I think the Connor says something like, well, clearly we haven't, you know, we're not perfect in every way because we haven't learned humility or whatever. You know, he kind of makes a statement like that. Um, and I love that. And then even later on when it's the visor technology that proves to be what uh, what would make the modifications to the uh, tractor beam work. 
um, you know, and Jordy points out that obvious irony <laughs> in that he's like, he's like, isn't it funny that a society that would eliminate a blind person before they're even conceived, um, uh, I'm sorry, conceived, before they're even, well, yeah, at this point, before they're even conceived, like, you can't even have, if you stay within the society, you're never going to have a blind person or a bald person or, you know, someone with any kind of, uh, congenital, you know, problems, um, so Jordy says that you guys would never have found a solution <laughs> right. to this problem because the the solution actually ended up being something that is helping a person with a disability. So and and then just like the handling of it and like this, I thought the scene where Jordy's you know taking off his visor, the visor, yeah, and mm-hmm. and just resting his eyes, and you can see that he he goes through a kind of discomfort, <laughs> you know, wearing this visor and. Uh, and, yeah, and we've we've discussed that before on the show, I think. But it's just it's 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 great that a the show remembers things like that, and then also presents it, you know, in a way that's super relevant without sound, without seeming contrived um, to the story. Yeah, yeah, those are that you nailed it with all your comments. Um, <laughs> I like when you have allergies; you agree with everything I say. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Um, no, but but you did. Uh, you know, Jordy's disability is is something that you know rarely comes to the to the fore unless it's it's in some way to you know debilitate him in terms of plot. You know, he gets stuck on a planet and he loses his visor or something or something to that effect. But but here we're, we're you know it's you're right it, the 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 point that the episode is making is that people with uh, handicaps of any kind uh, are still valuable to a society at large. Um, I mean I'm you know foremost on my mind right now you know, Stephen Hawking's I mean a guy mm-hmm. who oh my god that's by any example. you know yeah by any. You That's know, a eugenics. example, Doctor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by any code of eugenics, he would have been eliminated right away. And yet, you know, look at the amazing mind that would have not, been lost. Not just that, the extraordinary will uh, to, to like, just exist. Uh, yeah, to all, persevere, yeah. Yeah, by all of, standards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, people uh, don't realize that Stephen Hawking was not, um, not given... More than a few years uh, of uh, of life as a, yeah. as a diagnosis. So yeah, they right. defied a lot of odds. <laughs> yeah, and yes, has changed. We're we're closer to a Star Trek te- technological type society because of Stephen Hawking uh, and many others like him. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I love. I think it's great. Actually, that again reinforces like. Kind of like you know, and and one can forgive Picard's like such his his like such strong feelings <laughs> about the matter, you know, and you know because you're right, it's it's out of character for him, but well, you can for, you can forgive it. But he I like it so strongly. I yeah, like I that it too. I wish I Picard had been more like that. Yeah. Well, I would have related to him more. I mean, I think Kirk always wore, to a certain degree, wore his prejudices, you know, on you know, very boldly on the sleeves of his shirt. You know, he's just like. You know, you knew where he stood because he would actually go down and wreck whole societies. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, in in his 
is who don't, don't live up to his standards. Picard is a little more uh, is is a little more tactful, but 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 also you know it, it's harder to to relate to him some t- t- at many times. Uh, but uh, but Jordy, on the other hand, is not shy about his feelings and 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 he's very outspoken and not in a in a cruel way. I mean, he you know him and Hannah obviously do f- form something of a bond. And I'm glad that the episode didn't do something corny like, you know, make Hannah hostile towards Jordy somehow, or you know, or or, or very, you know, like the way uh, the character that Ron Canada was was portraying. You know, uh, she actually you actually kind of saw her opening her eyes, you know, when she saw his eyes you know know, when he took the visors off and like oh my gosh you know look at that and i think it's so genuine that she didn't really have she didn't change her mind necessarily like she just didn't know what to say like which it was like yeah that seems so real you know like that yeah human yeah exactly so natural yeah yeah There, there was the episode was like i said the acting was 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 really really uh it was top notch and we don't we don't do this often enough on Starfleet Boy, but uh, just to give credit uh, some credit here, the teleplay was written by um, Adam Belanoff, who was also one of the story writers, uh, and Michael Pillar, who we spoke a little bit about on yesterday's episode, uh, because uh, I think it's great. Uh, Michael Pillar is coming up in a lot of conversations uh, online uh, lately, and I've been sent like you know some videos and stuff but i think chris collins sent sent this to me or perhaps it was um um someone else but anyways uh michael pillar i forgot this i knew it back then because i think uh if i'm not mistaken one of our friends tried to submit a script uh to star trek and we were certainly you and i were certainly enthusiastic about um writing a whole show for dr crusher uh, <laughs> that but is true. uh but during the time during this era um uh anyone could they were they were taking solicitations they were taking um they were taking scripts from people and um so i i don't know which uh, something fun would be to if there's like a guide doctor that you know of where we could find out what the scripts were that were submitted versus the ones that were uh you know the ideas. Sorry, I should say the stories that were submitted versus coming from in-house. But I imagine an in-house writer is what uh, who eventually um, you know would take that story and like bring it to to full you know to full life in the context of the of the show. But so you have um, Adam Belanoff and Michael Pillar writing this teleplay, and then James Kahn, not the actor James Kahn, <laughs> <laughs> and Adam Belanoff uh, also writing the story and coming up with the story. And this is a great freaking story, in my opinion. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a so great great little team here. Great that this episode came to existence. Um, I've I've got a few questions. Um, also for you which is we mentioned during the summary Riker's looks <laughs> what were you can you expand on what you were thinking about that <laughs> you know I, and you know I, I give full credit to to Jonathan Frakes uh, but you know usually it's Riker who goes down to the planet and gets a little shag you know from somebody <laughs> you know but uh, here it's Troy 
And and uh, more to it is that he obviously still has feelings for her, but you know they've agreed to to not pursue this relationship because they served together on the ship, et cetera, et cetera. And and obviously Riker has taken full heartedly to to that and and has pursued other relationship. But when he sees Troy kind of interested in another guy, you know his eyebrow kind of. You yeah. know, raises. Well, I like up, when he's you know and when he beams out. It a look. Um, when he beams away, like he's like, uh, well, I think uh, I think I'll go back to the ship, and uh, Counselor Troy and I will go back to the ship, and then she's like, actually, <laughs> I'd like to stay a little bit and and explore if that's okay with you, Minister. And then that in that particular scene, he's like, all right. Well, one to beam up then, and he stares right at her the whole time as he's being yeah. transported away. Um, is it just me or did the transporter effects look more special in this episode, or is it just because the the actors did a great job at portraying their wonder at uh, at transporting technology? I, I think I, it was the actors. The actors. So yeah, yeah. kudos to all the actors. Um, and let's see what else. Uh, what else in this episode did I want to talk to you about? You know, it's, oh. it's, in, it's yeah. Go ahead. Well, okay. So I didn't understand the melodrama between Counselor Troy and Connor as much as I would have liked to because I did. I got obviously since I was also uh, taken aback by the striking good looks of the uh, the minister. I can understand Counselor Troy's attraction to him, but. It seems like they're only there for a few days, like a week, let's say. And I don't know. Doesn't Counselor Troy real like why? Do, what does she think's gonna happen? Like, <laughs> like can any of all of them seem like super married to their careers and like and their positions or whatnot? And it's like you know, it, I just didn't think that like they didn't know what word they were getting involved with. Which is the sense that I got is that they let their passions get away with them and that they. Then they, then they realize it was a mistake and it was awful and, you know, all this stuff. And Counselor Troy doesn't want to see him again. And it's I just thought that was not realistic as much as I I would think it would be. What do you think, Doctor? <laughs> oh, the Doctor's on mute for some reason. Oh, he's Sorry, fine. <laughs> I had to blow my, blow my nose there. Did, thanks for swearing us. Did you hear what I said? Did that. you hear my question? <laughs> yes, I did. And... Um, you know, I at first I, I just sort of took it as, like I said before, Troy just holds herself to a, kind of a higher standard mm-hmm. in terms of professionalism and and you know your you, you know the you're acting in an official capacity as a representative of the ship, and uh, you know these are the first you know this is really the first contact they've made with this society. Um, it's probably not a good idea to start sleeping around with you know the <laughs> the the lead the the leader of their people, mm-hmm. um, especially within the first week of contact. Picard does, uh, look, Picard does look like he's he's uh, mustering all the patience he has. Uh, yeah. In in the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it is it is unprofessional, but at, by the same token, I mean you do have to acknowledge feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think the last exchange they had 
Um, I mean, I guess you just have to kind of go with it. I mean, the guy was basically saying he was he'll always be in love with her. Um, you know, if you kind of just take that at face value and think of the fact that these people, it's a very small group of people. They probably all know each other to one degree or another. And suddenly this, you know, beautiful alien woman beams down to the planet. I mean, this guy is perfect as he is, is probably, uh, uh, kind of high on love, um, himself. And, and, it doesn't realize the hyperbole of his statements when he says, I'll always love you, you know, no matter what or something like that. Cause you know, he, he's just, you know, he, he never thought he'd ever see somebody else outside of the colony. And, and he's just really taking with Troy. So I think everyone's just kind of riding high on, on their emotions there. And, well, and yeah. on Troy's. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you, I totally agree with you. It ties into the ending as well. Yeah, and then in, as as far as Troy is concerned, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, he he is sort of. I mean, they frequently uh, characterize him as sort of the perfect, charming politician. I mean, uh, he is genetically bred to be this ultimate charmer, right? <laughs> I mean, it. You know, he he wooed Troy because. He's perfect. <laughs> That's so, a, I mean, those, it, it's kind uh, of those, understandable. Uh, <laughs> under the, on, I mean, on paper, it's on, it's understandable. You know, in so. those uh, in those party games where they go around, you know, and and say, "What would your superpower be?" I've always said, uh, "Unlimited charm." <laughs> Charm will get you far, folks. (laughs) Um, And in Dungeons and Dragons, charm is an ability so that you can you can enhance. There you go. Um, That's right. But uh, a question for you: Uh, What do you think? A, do you know if there? I don't know. I didn't do enough research. But a, do you either know of a follow up, or what do you think happens to this colony? Uh, now that we're heading into, we're gonna. We're, now that we've got a Picard show on the way, uh, do you think that like um, uh, thirty years later, um, after this episode, uh, that they are going through hard times? Do you think they become a world of the Federation? Do you think they, the colony is under the Federation protection? What do you think is going on thirty years later with this I think, situation? Uh, well, I mean, I, I have consulted. Uh, Memory beta. Oh, nice. And 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 there is that. And even though they have a, a whole write up of um, of Hannah, uh, I forget what the name, of, I forget what her last name is, but the the lead scientist. Uh, there is no other mention of this planet or its people, or I think it's like 12, 12, uh, 12 of the people who left. Uh, there's just no other mention of it anywhere else in the Star Trek canon. Uh, which is a shame because there there is some story potential there. Well, and I definitely think that if nothing else, Ron Canada can uh, come back as Martin and give <laughs> uh, give Picard a guilt trip about uh, you know you know like Picard could see Martin in a on a on a space station and be like Martin, uh, what are you doing? I thought you would never leave the colony. And then you know <laughs> Martin's like, you goddamn 
bastard, you ruined our whole thing, and he throws his drink down on the ground and just walks away, and we have a moment of old man Picard sad because of the repercussions of his action. <laughs> there you wow. go, Doctor. I just wrote the follow-up to... Uh, I just read it. <laughs> there you go, writing scripts again. <laughs> I don't write the scripts. I just, I just come up with the ideas. They're just so, fragments. So, like is, this, is that your, your like Im- that, that's your vision for Old Man Picard? Uh, no, he's just running know. into people from planets he's visited <laughs> yes, before, why and, not? and the societies why not? that he's ruined, and <laughs> or some, and they just walk you know, away from him in disgust. No, not just that, that's just this one episode. I mean, ninety percent of Picard's encounters will be with people who are happy to see him. I think, um, but you got to have the occasional angry person because you ruin their society. Because I actually do think, whether it's ruined or not, it is irrevocably um, altered. That that can't be denied. Um, I mean, like for their entire existence, they've only been self-sustained, and so it's true that. Uh, as soon as the three original three members of the crew beamed into the biosphere, it already has altered uh, what the society uh, has all, has been all about. So, in a sense, like what's fascinating about the episode is that um, the death of the society was inevitable. The st- the episode statement is that like you cannot be att- so there, no society can endure forever <laughs> unless it can change, and that I think is the is the uh, the the moral, if you will, um, of the story. Well, you know, I, I have to say that I mean, a couple of you know, a couple of cracks in the in the defensive shield of this of, of this plot. Um, you know, when they're talking about losing twelve people and the irreparable damage to the planet, I, I do have to kind of question that because. You know, if you any the the, I mean, just from a, a purely mechanical point of view, when you build anything, uh, one and if you want it to be as perfect as possible, one of the 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 first things you do is is you you build in uh, um, backup systems, and you know, okay, let's say. Hannah was the premier scientist of the planet, and you, you know you're in, you engineer the society, and 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 you're going to have you know. Uh, and let, let's before you continue, I just want to make it clear that even though you're saying planet, the society is small. It's only right. just one one True. city, one colony, one colony. On this planet. Correct. Yeah. That that is correct, and I imagine that the population number is 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 controlled, and they've right. You know, you don't have excess people or whatever. Um, still, I, I would imagine that there are backups to everything. I mean, uh, even though uh, they've probably engineered out, you know, in illnesses and, well, you do know. You, do you remember the it's strange, oddly, it's odd that you'd say that. Do you remember the society, the planet that was invisible? It was a le- it yes. was actually an Atlantean type society As well. in that sense, right? As well. Um, and in that, in their situation, they'd just forgotten how to fix things because everything worked so well, you know. So I think that like, there's your answer. Is that, is that right? Is that, exactly. That's actually that, a very similar episode, and yes, this episode I think similar. was better than that one mm-hmm, in I many agree. ways. And um, you know, I, I I don't think that that society would necessarily fall apart 
as as uh, Martin was uh, was was sort of intimidating. I, I think there would be built-in safeguards because you know you could have accidents. Obviously, you know, well, Anna could the, have been, right. you know, the lab could have exploded one day, and oh my God, we just lost our premier scientist. But don't worry, we've got, you know, other people, and of course. You know, we're not is, all defined is, by one skill. This is a young man who was destined for the art tract, but we are going to bring him now into the science tract. His name exactly. is Kylo. Hello, exactly. Kylo. <laughs> Kylo. <laughs> Can you imagine if Kylo, young Kylo Ben Ren. Solo, all he wanted to do was be a smuggler like his dad, and if they actually let him? <sighs> Back to the episode. Back to the um, episode. Thanks for giving it on track, Doctor. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently you get comments when you take it off track. Um, I, no, it's a tradition of Starfleet Boy to, <laughs> to, to get comments. <laughs> so. Which I, I, have, I have to say, I, I, I watched the whole episode. I made the comment before I watched it. And, and you guys actually did keep, keep on track we pretty tried. well. I, I, mean, no, I think our, tr- our side, sidebars were somehow yeah, were relevant. Somehow relevant. Yes. <laughs> That's so, true. Thank you. I appreciate but that. But anyhow, um, <laughs> I, I, I truly believe that, that the society would be able to survive just, you know, just fine without those 12 people. Uh, as, as you just said, you know, I mean, we are not defined by one skill. None of us are. Um, you know, on, on the contrary, I, I feel we, you know, as individuals, we contribute to society in a number of different ways. I mean, we have a job, we go to a job, we're the best at what we can do at that job, but then we perhaps volunteer at something else, you know, and or, or, or and, and pursue, do a number of other uh, things. Pursue personal interests that are Pursue personal beneficial. interests that also contribute to the greater whole. So, I, you know, I, I think you know that that threat is a bit exaggerated, and um, now I think the real threat is what Hannah mentioned, which is that you know she was engineered to be the greatest mind, you know, of of her colony, and yet you know they haven't. This, you know, they're just sort of they're just it's, so surprised at transporting. I mean, well, yeah, and part of their engineering. Uh, which we haven't really discussed is they've also been an isolated society and she realizes that um, she realizes and it's really a profound moment too she's like here I am I'm engineered to be the smartest and yet look at all this this stuff you guys have and Jory later says well I guess necessity really is the mother of invention you know like exactly if there isn't a problem to solve then you're not going to pursue you know you're not just going to pursue like tractor beam technology if you don't need to to like move a a a filament of a star (laughs) a star fragment out of a planet's uh, you know site so yeah, pretty pretty heavy uh, stuff in this episode. Again, which is why I think I love this episode. Like, I would show a young person this episode, hoping that it would spark the same kind of like interest in behavior and ethics and philosophy and science that this episode has the potential, I think, to spark because it certainly did those things for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I'm curious. I, I think our ratings may be closer. 
Mm. Uh, Are we at that time? Is it it time to to give a rating? Well, actually, Doctor, I had a lower rating at the beginning of this episode than I do now. So I started out feeling very strongly that this episode was an eight and a half. And now I'm just going to have to give it a nine because actually talking with you about it made me really appreciate other things that I hadn't even thought about uh, during the uh, during the uh, viewing that I that I did. So I'm going to give this episode a nine. I still don't think yeah. it's a masterpiece episode. I don't think of it as a ten. But I would sit down and watch this episode again gladly. Um, and again, like I said, like showcase it to someone to show the value of this kind of story. You know that that statement there showcase. You know, uh, I think that that's a that's a good way of of describing this episode. And I wouldn't. I'm not giving it a nine. I'm giving it a, a seven point five. Wow. Uh, it's a that's solid episode. It's a really good episode. <laughs> I I would rank it with one of the better episodes of the of the series. And and I think it is sort of a you know it's. It's a it's very typical of the best episodes. It, it's very typical of, of of what is best in of Next Generation, you know, and and I really appreciated that you know Jordy um, got some time on screen and it was and he was very well used. I think Troy was very well used. Um, like I said, Picard had a rare moment of. You know, and that that scene with Troy of you know, I really relate. You know, I, I could feel like I could relate to Picard in that in that scene. Uh, you know, even Worf. Did you see how Worf reacted? Yes, and I how strongly yeah, the, he advocated yeah, for true. that. It's true. Um, it was cool. Yeah, I feel like all the performances uh, in the episode were, were very strong. I mean, Crusher had nothing to do really. Unfortunately, considering it's an episode of a genetically engineered society, I mean, I would have thought some some medical, you know, jargon for her to say, but there was nothing for her to do, unfortunately. But but I I, I really thought it was it was a it was a very strong episode, and right. um, you know, uh, um, I, I I can't let this go without comment. Uh, you know the. Of course, you know, unless you watch the series in order, you don't notice this. But it, it is kind of odd that you go from, you know, Troy being violated in one episode and then she falls in love with the next. It's kind of a I weird... I know. It is, she didn't have like, to, It doesn't feel like she not had notice this? I mean, could it be that just, like, months passed from that episode to this one? Like, uh, Sean and I kind of pointed out that 90% of what they're doing is cataloging gaseous anomalies. So maybe we had, like, seven months of gaseous anomalies and then we get this... Um, episode. That's the only way I can kind of like justify uh, her not still dealing with that. You know, like it's not days later, but maybe months later that we. It, go, well, that is through. the that is what we're supposed to assume. I mean, yeah. I guess it's been they've been following that stellar fragment uh, or, fragment yeah. for months, right? <laughs> for months, yeah. With so. n- nothing to do other than just watch it. I would it. love to see an episode. I would love to see like a vignette of like every month just like a little scene of the stellar fragment <laughs> and like they're just like everything's so routine number one i mean i just can't imagine anything going wrong with this this mission i love this stellar fragment i'm going to miss it when we no longer pursue her <laughs> and lo and behold what happens 
Oh, Picard. Uh, uh, you silly fool. I just can't fool. wait. You know how happy I Have you noticed a tone shift in Starfleet Boy since, no. the, since the news? Not really. <laughs> you really haven't noticed how much no. happier I am now that we're going no, back to really, the future? No, not really. Not at all. Lies. No. Uh, Doctor, I do want to um, ask you if it's available uh, to hear what young Chapman thought of these and the previous uh oh well if you'll if you'll give me a moment to go get it <laughs> if you'll indulge us yes that would be cool <clears throat> oh <laughs> the greedo greedo has walked away to go and, <laughs> and get this book <laughs> um i will point out that i was admiring you probably won't see this till later if you even rewatch this um but i was admiring your comic books back there your graphic novels your marvel collection uh and your at&t phone that was very strange too uh, we'll take a moment now to say to the audience and listeners at home, thank you so much for watching. Uh, if you've made it this far, uh, please feel free to join the discussion by commenting on the YouTube or sending us an email at sohail, S-O-H-A-I-L, at starfleetboy.com. Um, and let us know your thoughts. If you'd like to be on Starfleet Boy, let me know. I know there's a few of you guys waiting there in the wings, and I haven't forgotten you, so uh, I'll be following up soon. Uh, anyways, are you back, Doctor? Yes, yes, I am, and, and I shall now look up from, from, from this here. So cool. All right, let, allow me to read. And I shall I shall read it off camera. Let me just look <laughs> so, at the book over here. <laughs> so the pre- and, you can uh, start with the previous episode first because I'm sure he's got a lot to say about those aliens. Well, let's see. From this violation. is uh, <laughs> for violations. <laughs> the first thing about these aliens is that they have incredibly ugly ears. <laughs> they do. <laughs> the second thing about these aliens is that they have telepathic powers that they can use to help people retrieve lost memories, but also to mind-rape people. (laughs) When we meet them, it is some parents and their sons, and the father is a computer, is a complete asshole to the son, and he constantly mocks and embarrasses him. Then some people get mind-raped, and they think it is the father, but it it actually turns out to be the son, which should have been incredibly obvious since he spends <laughs> the entire episode looking at people suspiciously. <laughs> I don't think the son should have mind-raped those people, but I think the father deserved everything he got. It is his fault for being an asshole. It is his fault for turning his son into a monster. I do not blame the son at all for trying to frame his father. Wow. That's kind of the conclusion we came to. <laughs> We're very, very similar opinions there. And, and and since the this and this is this episode, they're actually humans. He has no comments about uh, about the, the aliens, episode. of course. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. <laughs> Doctor, thank you for uh, for joining me. Is there uh, anything uh, you'd like to say in a, in, a, in closing? Um, only that you know, I uh, I may utilize more avatars in the future. Oh, okay. It allows me to kind of walk around and do other things and multitask as as I record. For Starfleet Boy, 
I, uh, I prefer you to be as present as possible, but I also will indulge any of your needs, Doctor. Anyways, on that I, note... I don't know. I, I kind of... <laughs> I kind of enjoy this avatar. This is, this is an experiment. I know if that anyone... there, are se- there are several people in the audience that get upset when we're not showing our faces, but I, you know, I, you guys, you got to give us give us some uh, some uh, leeway here. <laughs> Anyways, it's a pretty um, nice face. I don't know. Yeah, the Greedo's not you know. bad. Per- I had fun talking to Greedo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Greedo looks pretty good. So, yeah. uh, Doctor, on that note, live long and. <laughs> And we'll see you next time.